Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jesus, Mary and Joseph and the wee donkey. Can we just move this thing along before it drives us all around the bloody bend? <laughs> So hello and welcome to Rock and Roll. I don't know what episode it is. I'm not even going to pretend like I keep track anymore. I'm surprised we got past five. So anything bigger than that. It's like birds counting eggs. Join us. He threatened to break away and form a European super pod, but I've lured him back with barbecue paste pizzas and microwaveable mash. Ryan Wally, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Not bad, you? Yes, not too bad. Another year older. Oh, yeah, we forgot you had a birthday. Yeah. 21 oh. again today. What 21 again did you say? Yeah. Was that your age or your IQ? Definitely my IQ. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, in a week where she spent more time battling parrots and Ali McCoist on Question of Sport, Emily Cutmore. <laughs> Hello. Hi. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll come on to that yeah, story I'll, in a little I'll bit. Clearer. <laughs> Because we've got a third guest. So, and a woman who always goes down well on the podcast, whether it's talking about James Askell's penis or Dylan Lewis's penis. Or... I messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sophie Carter, how are you doing? Back by popular demand, I'm I'm brilliant. Well, well when you say you're brilliant, are you feeling brilliant or has this gone to your head? Oh, well, I'm totally big-headed now. My face can't actually fit in the screen because I'm I'm obviously a VIP person <laughs> on this thing. So, hello, you're, you're welcome to have me. I like how you've done the Beyonce finger crown thing there. <laughs> or the steps tragedy. I think that's probably closer. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a podcast where the visuals don't go up. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, all right. We've learned our lesson, have we? After me, I've <laughs> to tell you numerous times over the past couple of weeks to stop doing visual jokes. Yeah. He also laughs in silence. I know. Every week he does a chuckle with no noise coming out. And I thought, well, that's not going to go well. It's like Matley, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> well, I do that. I wheeze. I've got proper fucking asthma wheeze go on when I laugh. So I'm surprised if you could hear me as well. Well, this is going to be fucking great then for anyone listening. <laughs> if we do a joke and no one's going to listen to anyone laugh, just fucking complete silence. Is you talking pretty much the same as every other pod, sir? Well, I... I'd make a joke and nobody laughs. It's exactly the same as my life in general. Um, so, Soph as well, big rugby fan, watch all the rugby, read a lot about rugby, work within rugby. And every time you come on, I know there's one thing you want to talk about. How's the snooker been? <laughs> it's been uh, lovely. Um, so, really sad story, actually. I was meant to go to um, the Crucible tomorrow and um, couldn't go. Um, I was meant to go and see Mark Williams play. Not going to see him play. Um, was meant to lose my crucible virginity. And it didn't happen. So I thought you just had tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
So my cherry is a cat. The experience that Mark's offering now. <laughs> so the cherry's intact. Um, <laughs> and I'll wait another year. Yeah, I didn't even get the chalkies tip. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't joke. <laughs> so, look, um, Em, you've had a couple of <laughs> I don't know what you're about, I've been quite quiet. Like, did, did you want to tell the story or shall I? You, you tell the story. So, well, I don't know how much of the, this story you know, but. I think I well from what you put on the WhatsApp group that I then shared in work the next day. I think you put a lot of it. Oh, on the I'm going viral. I'm a... So anyone who does, yeah, any, anyone who doesn't know, M started a new job on Tuesday. So the usual first day bullshit where you read about this, read about health and safety. This is what the company does. Watch this bullshit video about things, and then said, well, you've got a meeting tomorrow. You're going to meet with the CEO of the company you'll be the first person to meet the ceo of the company because no one in the company has met him before just go to his house which is already like that's red flags and that's, that's alarm bells fucking ringing is something going so i said look just give me the address just in case something happens like she turn your find my friends on right i don't like i as if i'm gonna go full fucking liam neeson if she goes missing and go full <laughs> taken <laughs> I haven't got a certain set of skills. I've got a certain set of skills, but they mostly revolve around a knife and fucking fork, right? <laughs> but anyway, she goes in, going in, you're going to meet in one o'clock and then you're going to go into a Zoom meeting and, and then you're going to meet all these other people. So one o'clock, she rocks up at the house and it's just him and his wife and he offers her a drink and gives her a bottle of water and then his wife comes in and offers a drink and so try to force coffee on her and she's doing her usual, everything's okay. So she says, like, are we gonna are we gonna dial into Zoom? And he's like, oh no, 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 not, not till two o'clock. So we've got an hour, so I'm gonna tell you how the company works. And then is it two o'clock and the guy rings you up and he's yeah. like, Are you are you dialing into this? And he's like, No, no, I need to show her a bit more first. I gotta show her a bit more first. So at 10 past two, they dial in. And then the guy just goes, pitch, pitch the company. And obviously, like she's only learned about it a fucking hour before. <laughs> yeah. So she's laughing, thinking that he's taking the piss and he's serious. So I just, well, he got an hour, he told me for an hour about the business model and I just had to kind of remember what he said, add a little bit. Obviously, I was like, well, you know, I only only started yesterday, so I don't know everything. (laughs) And then people started asking me questions. So obviously, I don't know the answer to these questions. So I was just having to either make stuff up or or I would just have to go, oh, I I, I don't know what to be honest with (laughs) you, pet. And then in comes his wife with a full fucking buffet, right? <laughs> Trying to force food on her and then making her eat. So essentially, Em sat on a Zoom call with 11 other people watching no, her eat. So we were, we were on the desk in the living room and then he made me sit on the, on the settee. So I, he sat on the settee, but he brought the laptop to the coffee table. So he put the, the laptop on the coffee table and the, coffee t- the laptop's facing me. And everyone's just watching me on Zoom. 11 people on Zoom are just watching me cutting up my lamb kebabs that I'm very awkwardly eating. Um, you had a live mukbang. You performed. A live what? Mukbang. Do you know what a mukbang is? Oh, I'm no. sure you're going to tell us. Oh, here we go. Right. A mukbang is like a very popular thing on um, YouTube. It's like an ASMR tingly, tingly-wingly bits. Um, and basically... <laughs> 
people eat loads of food on camera and um, it's either that they get turned on by it or that it's for company. Oh, didn't like Trisha, Trisha Paytas do it for a bit? Trisha Paytas does it. She still does I, it. She just sits on the floor crying and eating curry and I'm like, mate, I do that for free. This is a rugby podcast. I don't know who these people are now. Oh. Well, so hang on, the story's so, not finished. So no, the story's not done. So anyway, in comes a woman with some more coffee and then comes back in with a fucking parrot on her shoulder like she's Long John Silver. <laughs> so this parrot's flying around the room while I'm still I trying to do it. squawks. A... What's that word? Squawks? Pardon? <laughs> is it squawks, boot? Squawks. Squawks, whatever. I think squawk is like, that's right. like yogurt stuff, in it? <laughs> squawk! <laughs> as <laughs> a posh duck we've gone way off tangents yeah so anyway this parrot's flying around the room while I'm trying to carry on with the presentation then the guy goes and gets a shisha pipe and starts smoking but I'm trying to pass it on to, to try I'm some. obviously panicking because I don't know what's in this shisha pipe I've got a bad head because of all the oils and fumes that are around the room I love how this is the most un-covid friendly business completely every proper regulation you could probably think of and then his uncle turned up and then this accountant and his son was there all while his shisha pipes went off and the parrots fucking circling the room this is at five o'clock i was supposed to finish work at quarter past four (laughs) quarter past five o'clock so 10 to 6 eventually i called you and said pretend Mm. we had to pretend that you had an emergency to leave and then he tried to book it in for a meet in the morning after, saying, we'll meet a property developer, and then we'll have another meeting nearby yeah. with no <laughs> idea of where. So anyway, she's handed in a notice. <laughs> <laughs> but they did offer to give her a reference. Yeah. He said, you know, Emily, if you ever need a reference, just give me a shout. Like, he doesn't know me. I'd work there two days. Arguably, he'd give me the worst reference ever. But the good news is it has given us the title for this week's episode because based on Sov, it's now called Sov's Tingly Wingy Bits. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, quite an eventful week. Yeah, for... and I, I went to see Steph's mum afterwards and, she, and I told her everything and she was like obviously laughing, but she was obviously concerned at the same time. And she went, but Emily, she, how, how did the wife know? Like, you could have been scared of birds. I went, Jean, I am bloody scared of birds. <laughs> <laughs> Us walking through Cardiff City Centre, there's pigeons left, right and centre. It's it's care. hell with you. I know. I moved from Newcastle to get away with the pigeons. Now all Cardiff have a seagulls. So, can anyone talk about bad work stories or are we going to call that a day? Genuinely, I mean, not ones I can actually talk about because I would get something. Yeah, don't do current job. Don't do current <laughs> job. Fucking hell. Do we move on to some rugby? Yes. <laughs> I thought so for giving us more snook, but there we go. So, Wall, I think you were the one who's probably watched the most minutes of it so far, but Women's Six Nations concluded this weekend. Perhaps all a little bit predictable in yeah, obviously New England. The way the groups were set up, it was obviously going to be that final. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Bit of a surprise, I suppose, when with the Italy win against Scotland for them to be them against Ireland in the third place playoff. But um, I didn't watch I didn't watch the Ireland game on on the weekend. But the England game was just <clears throat> the England game was probably the best game of rugby I've seen in a couple of years. 
and I've that seen great the- games. I've seen great games of rugby, but it was the defense was so superb for both sides. It was, and I don't mean I don't mean to sound like <clears throat> it's not at all sexist. I don't mean to sound like demeaning or anything like this, but it was so brutal that you wouldn't expect it from a women's game of rugby. Like the hits were so hard. It it was it was it was a game that you'd think that you'd watched it and it was just absolute brutes on that pitch. Like the skill wasn't fantastic. It wasn't a great running game, but just seeing just the sheer sort of determination from both sides to try and get that win. Obviously England, I think have now won something like eight or nine on a bounce against France and unbeaten in 13 or 14. Um, and then watching the, the Scotland Wales game, it was just a base basically a bit like batshit crazy. Everyone wanted to run from everywhere. Um, it was quite an entertaining weekend. That was the only two games I watched over the weekend was those two. And I was thoroughly, thoroughly uh, pleased with the two. It was sort of a good way to spend my, my birthday afternoon on Saturday because my other plans got cancelled. So it was great. Did you mention it was your birthday? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did I not say no? You said it is the best game you've watched in quite a while. Did you not watch Wales-Scotland in the old No, I, I, but the Wales-Scotland game... And prob- no, probably... I mean, we were calling in the men's Six Nations in October. Did you not watch that game? If we go get the greatest games you've ever that, watched. That, that was dire. No, but like the Wales-Scotland game, I watched it, but obviously you want Wales to win and you don't necessarily enjoy it as a spectacle. Like the Fra- even even the France-Scotland game was, was outstanding, but you wanted the, the Scotland win for Wales to win the, the Six Nations. So to watch that game with not with being a complete sort of... Um, like not having to sit on, on either one side, not necessarily wanting anyone to win complete neutral. I actually really enjoyed it because both sides were set up to, they weren't going to give an inch. And it was just that one great piece of play from Poppy Cleo getting the try in the first half, um, just before half time that wins again for England. So I've said in the past that I don't want the podcast to fall down the thing and, and sort of move away from me. I mean, the win of just us talking about games too much. So I would like to have a little look at what you think we could do then? We've hit the point where the inevitable happened. Mm-hmm. France and England were always going to win their groups. Yep. It would have been a monumental effort for someone to overhaul either one of them. And then England had carried on, as you said, that, that streak of beating France. So essentially, we've got the predictable. How do we close that gap a little bit then to bring those teams up to a level that England and France are at, do we think? Um, there was a big thing that was mentioned. I mean, on... I, I, sorry, I just I phrased that towards the end like I was a teacher, or like I was teaching the kids. Oh, <laughs> so how can we do that? Do we think? So uh, that wasn't meant to be as patronising as it sounded. <laughs> um, there was a big thing brought up in comms actually on Saturday, um, which was superb, by the way. Um, but the having that finals weekend really meant every game had something on it at the weekend. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's whether the women's Six Nations is done completely separate. It doesn't follow the men's. It doesn't follow the home and away like the men's are. Um, and it's not on the same weekend. And they, they has, have a standalone, which I think they need to do. And whether it's done in a particular way where the fixtures are sort of mixed around knowing that the last week is always going to be England versus France and the other four like are mixed around because you know that's what's going to be the top two. Or the other thing which I was thinking myself on Saturday was maybe having six games so that they, that they all do play each other once. They do the Six Nations in whatever format it is done. 
but have a sixth game where it is like like this weekend, first against second, third against fourth, fifth against sixth in the table to work out the actual sort of who is the champions and stuff for it. Because um, I think I, I'm not, I don't know necessarily if that's going to work at the moment with the men's side of things, but certainly the women's, you need to try and sort of get as many people watching the games that have meaning to them, I suppose. Um, I think like the big thing for me is closing out. So the, the way the game should have meaning is by having six competitive teams. Yeah. That's what we need. And so we need to find a way of bringing those up to that level. I personally, I, I think that's that. a long-term thing though, because there's, there's going to need a lot of changes to the infrastructure for a lot of the unions, especially the, the four that aren't professional and stuff. Um, so, yeah, so that's why it's all like, obviously we need more coverage for the game to, to bring in more money. Like, I don't know about, like we were saying earlier, like, the level of advertising that's gone. Yeah, you know that Six Nations is coming around, whether you watch rugby or not. It's it's on BBC One, it's on BBC Two, it's now on ITV, it's on all those channels. You don't get that when it's it's the women's. And even if you do mention the women's, it'll be on, okay, this game's playing, this game's playing. Oh, and by the way, you can watch the women's star, the Six Nations mm. on iPlayer if you want. It's not I'm not saying it should be forced down your throat, but there should be some sort of level of accessibility well i read something just before i came on about australia in the sense of a lot of the australian um numbers have increased this year because australia um, in australia they've put rugby back on free to air tv um so the the numbers at stadiums are up the numbers the viewers watching it are up the participation new members at clubs is up so that's another option of putting them like it's not necessarily rammed in your throat but putting them on a BBC One or a BBC Two, and they're even, all on yeah, board. Even if it is yeah. BBC Two, yeah. like definitely. I think the the problem that I've got is it's not advertised particularly, so you know where it is. So if you're not a rugby fan already, you don't know where to find it, and then it's not on a channel you stumble over because it's on the red button. Like I've watched things because it's on. I've watched total shit because it's on, and I don't just mean the Scarlet's game against Sale, like. I watch absolutely dire programs that are just on, and so they're on in the background, so you sit down and watch it. That's obviously not an option if you've got to go out your way to find the red button to, to put it on. Then, as Em said, there's no advertising for it's on you, it's on thing. With the men's game, you're fucking bombarded with it. Like, if you don't know that the men's game's on, what the fuck are you doing? Because it's everywhere. It's in the papers, it's on the telly, it's on, it is on constant. Every pub changes the menu and has about six burgers. They're all influenced <laughs> by the rugby teams, aren't they? That's what happens every year. The Grand Slam big breakfast, the yeah. triple crown big breakfast. <laughs> the French burger. Oh, the wooden spoon. Some brain. For cheese oh. on top. Oh, the England the fifth again. <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah, found that on... Um, social media it, it's a lot more advertised um the women's game um if you scroll down um the rfu the wu um all six nations if you scroll down them it's just constantly updating with women's yeah. rugby information which mm-hmm. is good because when you think about what kids are on now they they're on every social media platform going they're on tiktok they're on instagram Twitter, Facebook, and all all of those are being covered by the unions. So it is reaching out to the kids. It's just breaking into the main media. You've got social media covered, but it's the main media of the television channels. 
And I think the thing with the, the social media thing again is you kind of already you've got to have that interest there, like you've already got to be following like the unions are doing their bit, don't don't get me wrong. Oh, you know, they, yeah. they they're trying their best to, to get things out there, but then you've already got to be taking an interest in the unions. I think if TV companies are buying the rights to this women's game, then they've got a responsibility beyond just we're putting it on somewhere. Yeah, it's got to be dealt with in a reasonable and responsible way to try and build these numbers up. That's what's pissed me off, and it's pissed me off for quite a lot of this tournament. We've got the problem then of there's a catch twenty two that without that there's no there's less sponsorship and less advertising coming into the game, which then makes the women less viable in the eyes of people who don't want to spend money on anything they're not going to get back. And then we've got the point of, because people are not doing that, people are not watching it. People, you know, the, the money's not coming to the game means that those lower teams can't then bring it up a level. So we've got professionalism in England to a certain level. We've got it to France to a certain level. And then the other unions can't, as they can't afford to do that, whether that's right or not is another question for another time. But I feel like at the moment, the lack of coverage from media outlets is pretty fucking poor. I've seen a lot more people's, this is the Lions team that I would pick, mm-hmm. or any of this kind of shit everywhere, than I have for the jewel in the women's crown going ahead. Yeah, I agree with that. The, <clears throat> the only other thing I would add to that as well is, although B, BBC, obviously, obviously it was on, on Saturday on BBC Two for the women's England game. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I think, they did the right thing when it came to actually on screen. So, in the sense of the pundits were very good, the comms were very good. They, they, they wouldn't. It would. It wasn't a case of just picking random people to be on there. Like they had Maggie Alfonsi, Nolly was on there, um, and then Hugo Monia was there as well. And then the comms of of Monia, Sarah Orchard, and Mo Hunt was fantastic. And like they, they. <clears throat> they treated that game quite rightly like it should be as if you'd expect on a, on an international where you'd be watching Wales against England in the Six Nations for men etc like it was the, the level of detail the way they, they were analysing it was like it should be done the right way and I think that needs to be done a lot more so even for example when you've got a women's game of Wales play and if somebody like Warby was was one of the com, one of the comms or was was on the treated in exactly the same way as the men not men are. It's not it's not any different. You've got people like Nolly and Maggie Alfonsi on ATV sort of for the for the for the men's games. And quite rightly, I think it should be done both ways because I think that's the only way the wider public's going to sort of give the game like a lot of more credibility if they see people that they normally see on men's games, I suppose, doing the same thing on women's games and treating it treating it all as all as one. A lot of people, typically men, and I'm sure this has been a Twitter, I'm sure I saw someone on Twitter say this, can't remember who exactly now, but, you know, a lot of men typically say, well, I don't care, or why should I, well, I'm, I'm not bothered about it, but it's that argument of, well, why not? You care about mm. the men, so why yeah. not? Like, it's your loss. You're the one who's missing out. If they said that about the men's game, I think a lot of people would look down on them or go, oh, yeah. you don't know what you're talking about kind of thing, but it's just like, all oh, right, well, yeah, who cares about the women's? I think it was Ella Snowsdale when we said the yeah, mm. IK. I think it was Ella Snowsdale. Yeah, it was, yeah. No, it was one of the, the Wales women. But yeah, 100%. And then it's down to people to call her out as well because it's a bullshit attitude. Mm-hmm. Bullshit attitude deliberately designed to, to pull the game down. 
So, yeah, that's all I wanted this guy to say. We, we do a lot of talking about how the game went, and I think it's quite important to look at sort of... How it should where, go. Yeah, where we can go with it. So, hopefully... I know they, they're planning on announcing this new tournament and what it's going to do, and that's going to hopefully bring a bit more money into the women's game. I um, Just, I think, would, would you consider perhaps a, a Welsh region applying for a franchise in the, the English league the next I know Bristol we talked about this before and Bristol obviously have got quite a yeah. few Welsh players in their setup already but surely there's got to be some sort of thing for for the WIU saying well actually as the as a professional women's league we'd like to put one region forward to be to join you in the in the premiership and, and try and compete and bring people through and whether it, even if it wasn't necessarily a region as in Blues, Scarlets, Ospreys, yeah. if it was just like a like they're doing with the Cricket 100, like a Welsh Dragons or something like that, where we were in it. And it doesn't have to be obviously Welsh players that are, are fully in, in that team because obviously it's worked with England as well. You can get overseas because I think the, the best way of getting the players that are there up to the level that we need them to be for to be professional is, that being, is playing around with professional players. So if you if you have a couple of English players in there or a, or a couple of French or someone from New Zealand or, or even Australians or whatever that are professional at the minute, that's going to just help them in the long run, isn't it? And, and just develop their game. Because I think I think there, there was a lot of promising stuff that I saw from Wales on, on, on Saturday. Because, yes, there was a few changes, but there was things there you could go, actually, I can see what they're trying to work on. Like Whereas they, they were saying that for the other two games and they didn't seem to be proof of that on the pitch. Whereas on Saturday, I thought, it was an even game for quite early. Scotland scored two tries sort of close together in the second half and then that sort of just kept the 14-point lead um, and just saw the game out. But You don't agree with Andy Owell then that the women's team are near the genetic limit, whatever the fuck that means. I, mean. I never agree with what anything he says. Yeah, Andy Owell's been talking shit about the men's game for years now, so it's nice to see him branching out, but I wasn't expecting... I don't know... I, I, I honestly can't wrap my head around what he was thinking to write that that tweet. The WIU could throw any amount of money at the team, but it won't improve much because players are near the genetic limit. Hashtag sorry. Hashtag cunt. Oh, that was me. You're a fucking <laughs> prick. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder when she was going to kick in. She's always, she's had a hard day. She was very, very quiet through a lot of that. And I seen her. She was sort of looking at the keyboard until I mentioned that tweet. Absolutely. I just think like. The the main one of the main things I think is that you look at clubs and women are encouraged to go to their clubs, but it's not a a, a massive thing. Um, M sent us um a thing yesterday, and she's like, "Oh, do you want to go?" And I was like, uh, "On one hand, I'd love to go back to training, but on the other hand, I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I'd probably yeah. embarrass myself. You know, I'd be kicking on the side, like throwing my guts up. But then." there's no money in the the clubs for the women to actually train like the men do. And then you go into the actual professional in quotation marks, um, the professional side and you've got these girls and women that are, that have full-time jobs um, and they pay for, you know, their own expenses. They pay to get to their training and back. And one of the main things is that these women aren't taken seriously and they are expected to just get on with it. And if the men were treated like this, they would be uproar mm. and they wouldn't stand for it. So I don't know why we've got 
women who are full-time nurses, social workers, teachers, who are then going after their day of work to a training session that sometimes is like two or three hours away, depending on where you live. It's, it's absolute madness. And women should be able to say, I'm a professional athlete. Um, I, play, I play rugby professionally and that's my job. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know how it's so hard. No, I agree completely. And this is where people seem to really talk about the standard of the game sometimes. Where you go, yeah, well, remember men's rugby in the amateur era. Like it was the same sort of thing that we look at. It's not the standard as such. It's just you're not able to put in that training. Now you look at, at the regions at the Premiership clubs where they, they're training sort of five days a week and playing one day and it, you know, it, it's intense for hours on end. That's not an option that's open to them because, as you said, they've got a job to do. And it's not even just a case of you coming from work and you've got to go training and so it, it, it reduces the time. You know, you've got to get back up in the morning as well after doing a session. So you've got to be able to make sure you can fucking move and you're not covered in bruises and you've not smash your face in and you know you know there's so much more that goes into it it's to tell we do need to do something to be able to bring that level up but that needs to come with visibility as well it's got to be seen for people to put money into it it's got to be seen for girls to want to be involved in it the biggest thing for me at the moment is just a lack of visibility mm-hmm. and great on the BBC picking it up but it's pretty shitty of them to chuck on a red button and hide away from everyone else as well and then also the other media outlets because there's not been a hell of a lot written within newspapers, with on within websites online, the places where you'd stumble across rugby articles, you know they, and even rugby websites, rugby news sites, it's not really there. Yeah, the, the only the only articles you're seeing is, is from the the regular ones that would do it. Like we know Jess. Um, obviously, there's a lot of people that there are specific journalists that are there specifically for women's rugby, but it's not done in the wider media. It's not like a back page sort of story for the England playing France at the weekend. And probably probably didn't make a tabloid at all. If it was, it was a little bit. Um, so yeah, there's there's people there that that work bloody hard to make that game sort of as as much visible as it can be. But I think even they are hampered by not having much space to be able to express that. I suppose. And the women, it's like this in all sectors of life, not just rugby, but they have to prove themselves. They can't just play on Saturday. They have to play an exceptional game before any sort of major coverage is done. They've got to constantly prove themselves. They can't just, you know, you know, if if Wales men play, even if it's the most boring game, it'll be on, everyone will be tweeting about it. It'll be on every media platform, whereas kind of only if the women really do prove themselves and play exceptional and play how that you wouldn't expect women to play like is when yeah, people yeah. talk about and start taking interest. Which is why you can name Georgia Page, despite never think because she does that one tackle where she broke her nose and grabbed and tackled someone and became a viral hit. <laughs> but you could name or people couldn't name most of the Welsh team or the England team or anything yeah. else. Anyway, we leave out there. When we move from one competition that's uh, eating away a little bit to another one. So the Rainbow Cup started this week. It's been off to a bizarre start, at very least. So we've got a Rainbow Cup, which we didn't think we'd have, but we haven't got 
the British and Irish teams play in South African teams, they're all going to be kept separately. So in no way is there a Rainbow Cup at all. We've just got the Pro 12 Part B. <laughs> is it not just like... Sidecar. I don't know what the fuck we've got, I'll be honest. Looking at the results of the weekend, should it not be called the United Colours of Benetton instead of Rainbow Cup? Because obviously they're going to be in the final, aren't they? So, Well, a hell of a result for them. And obviously we've got, we've got enough issues with... Uh, with Benetton in the past as well, given that we found out about their history and the way they yeah. were right? So um that's a great result for them. It's not if you're not if you're a Glasgow fan. No, sorry, Johnny, if you're listening. But that was um quite funny. It was a shock to say the least. Yeah, it was it was, it was a shock. You wouldn't you wouldn't have thought that. I think if you looked at all the games on Saturday, that's the one game you go, oh well, that's Glasgow win. Like the other games not necessarily when you look at the blue squad, but you look at you look at like the other games. You think it, most of them could be fifty fifties, but that was a oh that's a Glasgow win. Like tick that off. Um, but yeah, obviously the uh, Benetton had other ideas and and probably well, I think our good friend Robbie Squid was over the moon with that result at the weekend, and uh, I think he's hoping they get to the final. Well. I'll be honest. I'm at this point. I don't even know what the format is because I was one of the people who was quite excited about the Rainbow Cup, and I really, I was really looking forward to it. And when everyone else said, oh, it's not going to work. It's a crap idea," and I really wanted the opportunity to watch South African teams come up against the Welsh regions, and I'm a little bit disheartened. And I'll be honest, I didn't watch a lot of the games this weekend. I, I when were you pulling? You pulling say, South African teams against Welsh regions. Wasn't that sale when they beat you in the? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, they have had to wait for a competition that not many people care. I mean, this is so, this is such a poor competition. Even the Blues don't care about it, and they care about the Challenge Cup. Yeah, we do. Yeah. That's how poor, that's how poor this tournament is. But Leinster, at least, finally succumbed to Munster. I just like looked at those teams before, and then like. Leinster had a few names there, but Elster, sorry, um, Munster looked on even on paper that they were they were going like full strength. I think that was a first choice. Was there many, maybe a couple that might have made the bench potentially that weren't in that in that starting lineup or in the starting twenty three? But apart from that, they were pretty much full strength. Whereas Leinster were, well, I would I don't want to call it their their sub B academy thirds under thirty. Oh well, no, you've got upset Patricia. <laughs> But no, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't full strength. That's obvious. Like there was, there was, there was players that were missing in that in that twenty three for Leinster. But they deserve to lose, don't they? Like they need to lose now and again. So, well, it's not their first last. Um, you know my take on it, though. If you've got Damien Dialende, anything can happen. Honestly, I, I I dread to think what the scenes were like in your house when you watched that replay of his setting up that time. <laughs> well, luckily, I missed it. Otherwise, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's been excited, didn't you? Yeah. I think you I'm only buy his more toilet roll. <laughs> and uh, from a regional point of view, then, you're going to get off easier because the Blues were... Sh- like, uh, the Blues are shit and proud of shit team. They obviously don't Die Young's decided they don't give a crap about this, which I don't blame him when the when the format of the tournament changed. I mean, right, of the four of us, yeah, are any of us excited for this tournament now? 
surely the only people really that are concerned about this tournament now, if you're Welsh, is Dragon fans. Dragons fans. Because well, this Dragons is... do well in the other two games and you don't know where they can finish. Well, I don't know where they could finish because I don't know what the tournament said to be. So I literally don't know where they could finish. I, I don't understand what happens after Pooh. I, I don't I, I don't understand it. I don't know looked up to that point. I, I don't know what's happening now. What I do know is the Scarlets look absolutely fucking shocking and they can't put it down to swapping tea or dropping players or not going full strength. Or... They've got progressively worse as the season's gone on. And early on in the season, I said, well, you know, there's been a lot of changes and coaches are coming in and out. And so you're always going to get that disruption. And, and then you've lost players to internationals. They've got a lot of internationals. They look shit. Mm. Like, I thought the sale game was as bad as it was going to get. And take nothing away from the Dragons because they put in a good performance. they got good players. I know Gavin Thomas will be absolutely fucking delighted because Jonah Holmes was brilliant again. And he, he left a comment today about um, our unpopular opinions saying that uh, Jonah Holmes is the best 15 in Wales. And he does want me to point out that, obviously, he's being slightly tongue-in-cheek. And he's probably only the second best scrum half in uh, full-back in Wales, I think. Like, Jonah Holmes has been brilliant. I think he's massively underrated. Scarlet's made him look like fucking Jonah Lomu instead. Like, it's been shit. Dwayne Peel's come in. His first impact might better be the bloke that sorted out that ship in the Suez because he needs someone who can come in and perform fucking big work to turn stuff around you because it's looking bad, isn't it? It was it was like a, the, the, the amalgamation of two stories from the Bible at the weekend, wasn't it? It was Jonah part in the Red Sea, wasn't it? Well, I don't know. I, I, what, what comes after? What's the, the, the apocalypse? What else is it? That's, that's kind of the levels it seemed of the Scarlet. I, just, I, I saw a bit, like, I've watched some, some of the, the clips of it at the weekend and I watched a few bits on, on on Twitter. It was just, it was Dragons playing at pretty much their peak against Scarlet's team that, like everyone else in Wales, is probably not interested. And I think the Scarlet players, mainly probably Foxy, probably didn't care because he just wants to get through the games and skates to hopefully go on a Lions tour. Um Jake Ball's off. But surely if you're Gatlin, I know you fucking draw me the tone for the Lions again. Surely if you're Gatlin, <laughs> you've got to be looking at these games still. Like Foxy in particular, he wasn't, he hasn't been superb. It's not like he's, he's, you know, he's going on the Lions because he's been brilliant for Wales because obviously he's had injuries. His form has been up and down. He's changed position as well now under Pivac to move into 12 again from 13 where he started. Like, it's not like, okay, my seat on the plane is fucking as good as done now, so I just need to make sure I come through uninjured. Surely it's down to him to stamp a little bit of authority on it and go, right, I need to put in performances in these games. And that goes for all the Scarlet's players. You'd think that, but I, don't, I just don't think he showed that at the weekend. I, just I think... don't think any of them showed anything. No. They look, they, it's shocking how far they've dropped in a short period of time is, is awful. Mm. And I don't know what the issue is. Hopefully, it's something that's easily sorted out. They look like they've got no defence to speak of. An attack, they, I, I think the Dragons can be disappointed that the Scarlets put 30 points on them because the attack looks so obvious and so readable. Their defence must have been just the shit to concede that many points. That's right, because by the end of the week, no doubt, Dwayne Peel will be a director of rugby and you'll have Matt Sherratt as your, uh, <laughs> as your bats coach anyway. Oh, so you're still not a bit then? I'm not a bit at all, mate. Fucking Jesus. 
So yeah, I, I think I said like one day I watched uh, the Wicker Man and Catwoman in the same day, and I thought that was the two back-to-back performances the worst I'd ever see. And then the Scarlet's followed up sales of that pile of shit on the weekend, and they proved me wrong. Anyway, shall we move away from the Rainbow Cup? A couple of good piece news stories, and perhaps the girls will fucking join in. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen so of this quiet. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Alan Wynn has signed a contract extension. Lots of rumours that he was either retiring or pissing off to Japan or France or somewhere else in the globe. But he's staying. Good news, Soph? Stunning news. Absolute shagger. Um, <laughs> um, I saw it and it, it came out of the blue for me and I was just like, oh, that's nice news. Um, but yeah, I I think we, I, I expected him to do it. Um, but to be honest, I completely forgot. I, I forgot that he was running out of contract um, yeah. because it's Alan Wynne Jones and he's always going to be there, isn't he? But um, yeah, I thought it was lovely news. I'm very pleased that he's staying. Um, and sorry, Steph, to bring up the Lions, but I think it's um, another notch on his belt for Lions captain. Well, yeah, I think he's he's proven doubtless wrong. Going into the Six Nations as well, people sort of thought that he was slipping away a little bit, which we've had that before. With people saying, "Ah, oh, he doesn't look like the player he was. He's looking like he's slowing down. He hasn't got that work rate." And the Six Nations, he stuck two fingers up with those people. I don't think anyone would have uh, been against it if he had wanted to go to Japan or go to France and take a payday if there's a player that's earned it. It's him. Like, he's put everything in every week for club and country. So you can't, you know, you wouldn't begrudge him going away. But it's fucking great that he's staying. I, I wonder would he have been the first player that would have fucked off to Japan and we would have still picked him. Because he's got enough caps, <laughs> he doesn't need to be playing in Wales. Could you be playing for the Dinobores and still be turning out for Wales? If you had time for the Rico Black Rams, I would have been delighted because, you know, I've adopted them just on the back of one fucking shirt they released. I was going to say. <laughs> I went, I'm going to pick a Japanese team. And before I had chance, I seen the Rico Black Rams shirt and I went for my team because it's fucking amazing. If Alan Wynn had turned out in that black thing with the Rams skull on it, <laughs> I would have been delighted. Game over. Well, he's been very active on Facebook, on uh, Instagram this week, so you could have done a couple of selfies for you. That's true. Mm-hmm. Just his eyes, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this new Adidas bloody campaign, which mm. is doing my tits in. Yeah, it's getting on my fucking nerves. I saw Jessica Ennis' eyeballs the other day. Do I give a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, everywhere I see now, I just see every time I can only see someone's eyes... To me, it's just, it's an Adidas advert. So I've spent, I think, the past week just taking photos of things. We can just see people's eyes and send it to you lot saying, fucking Adidas. There was yeah, one, like, there was a moment on Line of Duty last night yeah. where she was looking through the door, fucking Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, um, I know it's the, one of the big talking points of the week for you then. Line of Duty. I don't even know where to start because my mind is just blown every single week. It's honestly my favourite thing to talk about now. I I don't want to talk about anything else. Well, snooker second, Lima Juicy first, 
everyone else can do one. It's it's basically well, been so fucking quiet on a rugby podcast. <laughs> I've got to say, I've not watched a game of rugby in a couple of weeks because, well, the snooker's been on. Um, life's been busy. Work's been busy, um, which we'll get to later. Great news. Um, but I, I just want to hear everyone's thoughts on my duty because my, uh, who is H? Who do you think H is? It's a woman. It's got to be a woman. It's I think it's, I, it's Carm- I think it's Carmichael. Yeah, no, that's too obvious to be Carmichael. I'm not having a. I'm have not have you that. have you seen the theory with the name though as well? No. So there's a theory that was sent out recently that you know when you know in the episode where um, Steve was in the back of the van with Jimmy Lakewell and then they got raided and they got pulled up like ambushed basically. Yeah. Oh yeah, spoilers if you uh, haven't caught up. Yeah, we all we all have. Anyone else is not listening. It's their fault, isn't it? Um, they there's a there's a part in there where Lakewell says something to him like forget the H and look at hate crime or something like that. Is I don't know. Or I'm trying. I'll, I'll try and find it. But basically, if you take the H out of Carmichael, the the phrase he says is the rest of the letters. What? I'm, I'm, I'll find it. Oh, I think you're clenching our straws here. Like. Yeah, no, it was leaking no, another no, fucking no. riddle. No, it's definitely not. So where is it? I'm going to look. 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 Where is it? I'm going to Look behind, sorry, look beyond the race claim to find H. And right. if you write out the car- the letters that are Carmichael, or how she spells her name, and take the H away, you can, that is an anagram of race claim. Oh, give it over, man. This is like that thing that you were watching. You had to guess the letter. <laughs> like Ted Rogers on 321. <laughs> I'm not having that. That's bullshit. The important question, Soph. Important yeah. question for you: What we're going to go for? Yeah, Steve, Hastings, Kate. I know you're going to ask. Shag Mary Kill. <laughs> oh, good God! <laughs> oh God! Honestly, this is quite hard. Can we change Kill to avoid? And no, then I, can... I said I, what I, I said. I don't want to kill any of them. Well, look, the pressure's on now. Right. Okay. Kill the Ryan, one you think. Kill Ryan, the one. You, this, Ryan. <laughs> kill the one that you think is H. I don't think any of them are H. Oh, okay, none of them are H. No, none of them. It's too obvious if it is. Um. All right. Mary. Steve. He's built for long purpose. He can't have sex, and he's a nice bloke. That's a good point. And can you please get him to go to physio? Because it's really stressing me out. Yeah, I'll go with him. We'll. I'll get me neck yeah. sorted. He can get his back sorted. Two in one. Job done. Right, yeah. Um. Who am I avoiding? No. Mary and Steve. Um. Oh. Right, I'll shag Kate. I knew this was coming. Because I'm going to have to... Yeah. I, number one, she is looking impeccable. In this series, she looks so good. Her hair is excellent. She is rocking the what's the word for it? An androgyny. Androgynous. Yeah, she's rocking it. Can't say the word, but she is. 
Um, so I'd have to kill Hastings. I mean, he is near enough the end of his life. And to be honest, he's not going to want to live after he leaves AC12. He will probably just top himself, you know. So then you're doing him a favour? Yeah. <laughs> um, Even him a job. Know, with Kate, we also know that she likes a bit of Welsh. She does. Because John yeah. That was news to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry I had to break that news to you. <laughs> Got it. She's married. Well, I don't know. I think she's only engaged, and so we might be in with a chance. Oh, they're only engaged. There we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bit of an odd partnership as well, because one of them is a massive Nottingham Forest fan, and she, uh, no, Johnny's in Nottingham Forest, and she's not scouting. Oh, really? Mm. I knew he saw a fucking football fucking somewhere. I did. So, the important part of the rugby podcast we've done line of duty. You are happy, so? Yeah, I'm satisfied now. Um, and then the other big news for the week, Josh Adams is engaged. He is. Congratulations, Josh. Just hold right. up on the party until probably early August, and that'd be great. Yeah, you delay that party till after the Lions. You don't want <laughs> you don't want that one again. <laughs> okay, be taken. Or if you do have a party, don't fucking film it and put it on social media. That's it. <laughs> That's a lesson learned. <laughs> if you're going to breach COVID rules, maybe don't put it on Instagram. Or just invite a shisha in a Paris because it's fine. When I it. <laughs> can, you, can you change the title of the pod to, or just in, invite a shisha in a parrot? Invite a shisha in a parrot. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to stop taking the piss out of Josh Adams, but, yeah, congratulations. He's a fucking brilliant player, and he seems like a decent bloke when he's not holding general real parties. But, yeah, so we saw our winning. Um, and then the big news, I'm perfect for Soph coming on. Today's news. Today's news, sorry. The Autumn Internationals for Wales have been announced. We've got dates. We haven't got times for kickoffs yet. No, no times but- yet. Uh, do, you want, do you want to tell us the... the I'll tip? take the floor, shall I? I'll grab the mic. So, first game, Wales-New Zealand. Um, don't worry about the date. 30th. Don't worry about the date. Oh, <laughs> so, um, just for a personal note of interest here, absolute day of sesh, Halloween sesh, absolutely on it, I reckon, after that game. Yeah, we can fancy dress it. Oh Christ! <gasps> yes. <gasps> oh, oh, oh good God! Dress. Yes, fancy dress. So yeah. bad, I can't make that one. Right. Used to go all out. I'll just wax my dry liner on. <laughs> we you gonna come at yourself? <laughs> it's pretty scary. <laughs> Should come dress, come dress as a parrot. Oh. <laughs> I'll we'll be the shish. <laughs> Are we all doing a different element? Step could be the kebab. <laughs> Next game. <laughs> Next game. Uh, Wales, South Africa. Brilliant. World Cup winners returning to the stadium. Hopefully to a full crowd. What a game. Um, then you've got Wales, Fiji. We all know that I love a Wales, Fiji game. Brings back great memories. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on a Sunday. Pardon? You met the Fiji player. <laughs> yeah, I met a Fiji player. Um, hung out with the team a little bit. It was great fun. Yeah, lovely boys. 
Um, it is on a Sunday though, so no Tiger Tiger for me after the game. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah, it is closed oh. down now. Um, well, there's definitely no Tiger Tiger for you after the game, unless you're in there on your own. You broke in. <laughs> I mean, I'm desperate to get on that dance floor. I, I want to roll up around I, on I, it again. I'm going to say, regardless of what they kick off is, you are not going to take it again. <laughs> I mean, I might buy it and do it back up. To be fair, I thought someone was doing that. I don't know. Emily hates Tiger Tiger. She won't come with me. I hate Tiger Tiger as well. I've never no. been in there. I've knew, oh, It was good in like in 2000, 2007. It was all right. Oh, no, it was 2017. It was Sophie's Prime. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, my favourite. And then us um, off. And then we've got Wales Australia. Um, so four great games. Um, I think she's in full sales mode. <laughs> uh, we are coming um, to the Principality Stadium this autumn. We are um, going to clubs and to bench holders at the moment. Um, people who have rights to their seats, and then um, hopefully. You know, later this year, we can get some tickets on sale and um, you three can come and see and um, come and join me for a couple of matches. Um, but yeah, I feel like it was great news, great Monday news. I would say the WAU were not fucking about. They're four great fixtures. Yeah. Like even the, the, the weaker, what's usually the weaker game is Fiji. So like they they four fantastic fucking games. I <clears throat> I know the the All Blacks game is outside the window. Do you think we'll get a little bit of uh, wheeling and dealing maybe to get a few players available for that All Blacks game? I my opinion into this one because I know that she's there. <laughs> my my opinion is the way that the English Premiership treated the Scotland game against France on the Wednesday, on the Friday we only allowed them to have so many players and that had to be paid for, there will be no chance we'll have any of our players for that game. Yeah, but that was a different a different prospect there, because I think what Wales will do again, as we've done in the past, is say, well, you make them available for that week, and we'll give you a week inside the window. Which would be surely the 27th, which is a week after. Well, no, I think what they'll do is they'll say, if you give us a week early, we'll send them back a week early. Because for me, if I'm Pat Lamb and I go... The dream. <laughs> Both yeah. mine and yours. <laughs> <laughs> then I go, right, I'd rather... If you're going to offer to take Sheedy off my hand for a week sooner and I get him back a week earlier before those Champions Cup games come up and I get a week to have him in there and settled and training, I would snap your fucking hand off, to be honest. And go miss the Australia game, and then they know that they've got bigger available for that game, or whichever other way around they do it. I think though that isn't the agreement blanket in the sense of like they're contracted to English clubs, so I don't know necessarily if it's going to be a case of wheeling dealing individually. Before, haven't they? I, I think know they it, can't do their paying players off now because they did that with North and Falata when uh, Premiership Rugby slam fines on both the clubs. So I know they kind of, but I, they've swapped weeks before to get players available for a game outside the window. We've got less players we need to, I think there's only four in it in the current squad. There's Falato Shidi, Bigger and Louis Re Summit. Four four starters though. Four four players if you're gonna go against New Zealand you want I'm them in your starting. Starters, I'm playing the same fucking position. No, but you'd want them in your twenty three, <laughs> wouldn't you? 
If you go in, yeah. if you if you go into a New Zealand game and you haven't got Sheedy, you, you haven't got bigger. I'm not playing Jared Evans at ten. Like that's just not gonna happen. So yeah. you, you'd like to think they would have some kind of agreement in place, but I think what we'll see is that we'll see the release of one of those two and one other. I, I think maybe we'll see Falatau on a ten. Mm. They'll try and get released and swap dates, and then we'll see Louis Rizamid available for Australia and the other ten. And I've got a funny feeling it'll be Sheedy for our first game because I think Bristol will be open to a little swap and Having that back in there before the the Autumn Cups kick in. Mm. Because if I was Pat Lamb, I'd, I'd snap snap your hand off at that. And, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm I'm fully fully geared up for the Aussie game anyway. I've already booked it off work. I've got a full on five day weekend, so. I'm coming. I'm coming down for that definitely. I'll make sure we avoid that game then, and we'll do one of the other ones. Um... <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it's what we hope thing because it is. They are going to be big money spinners, and I know people will inevitably come out and say about WIU money grabbing and play a, an extra game that's outside the window, and it's all fucking bollocks. Like the game dies without money coming in. So we need those games. So people can spout shit and talk shit about these fourth games. But without the the international game dies, the regional game dies, and the club game dies. So suck it up, Buttercup. If you haven't got your players for an extra week, fucking unlucky. That's the way it goes. Because without them, we'd be losing players to, to French clubs and English clubs or Japanese clubs or whatever else they're going to go anyway. So... I'm going to have my rant because I fucking hate it. It pisses me right off. I know people support their regions. I swear I've got my region that I support. I just realised I'm wearing a top from a different region. Yeah, so not a little plastic. <laughs> by the way, you wait my region on the weekend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <what I'm laughs> yeah. Who are you supporting on Saturday? I don't think I've ever seen him in two years. I don't think I've ever seen him in a scarlet top, but I see you in Dragon's kit nearly every week. Right. And he goes full kit wanker. I'm talking the top, the shorts. He's got the socks somewhere. Right. There's what? a hoodie out there as well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what I will say is. Macron to make dragons kit. <laughs> <laughs> so A, it's not shit, and B, I don't have to pay fucking eighty pounds for a polo top. I'm never gonna wear. I didn't actually pay. For I, didn't didn't pay I didn't pay for any of the stall. But still, but yeah, people can fucking kick off a moan and complain that they're taking players out of the regions and they're not putting money back. But realistically, without there, we're all fucked. Like this game is needed, and it's the awkward, it's the tightrope we're gonna have to walk as well at the minute because. At some point, we will do this bastard Oceans Apart doc, right? Because we've I've had notes on it for six months now. <laughs> yep. But as well, we need to be see, we need to give something to that game. We need to support them. We need to do something. But by the same token, at the moment, all the unions need money. And if you cut the fucking legs off any of the major unions, all of the international rugby is going to die anyway. Mm-hmm. So we need to find a way over the next couple of years. Of bringing that in, massive strikes forward, obviously being made anyway with regards to the, the talking of match fees, the talking of um, teams joining Super Rugby, which needs to be done. A bullshit article this week complaining about how badly that affects Australian rugby because they might want all their players back. Well, fucking boohoo! Like they, uh, it's so sad that some of those players might have to go home. Like, yeah, they, I'm sure they would have fucking loved the chance to play in their home country for a club and country rather than being fucking stolen as a 13-year-old because it's going to be for their family to fucking live. So they're going to fucking tear it off me from it. 
Um, I, this yeah, time, I should I fixtures. <laughs> I'm a very angry man. <laughs> so, yeah, do you have those fixtures, well? <laughs> uh, do you know what? I, I, picking the forwards, right? I, I, I wasn't, when I first heard the rumours last week or so about the, the New Zealand game being picked, being then outside of the window, I wasn't necessarily convinced because like, you'd want to go into that game with your full strength team with it Whoa. being New Zealand. But. Well, you're our only fans now. Can you can we see your oh, face? Is it, is it, sorry, sorry, sorry. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it on a pillow. I've got it on a pillow. Um. So yeah, I wasn't necessarily convinced with that, but it is what it is. At the end of the day, it's just four massive games that the public hopefully by that point can fill the stadium and and hopefully see a Wales win. I'm just saying. Usually, it's an extra five pound a month to see what we just saw. <laughs> Um, also, there's um, I, I've seen a lot of comments on social media, obviously, um, about it, you know, being the the typical like Australia coming over, and I'm just thinking, people are completely back to normal of not appreciating that it's four international games in the autumn after a global pandemic. Like, what a buzz to go in that stadium again and be in a crowd be next to some drunk girl on her endo who's got a penis straw coming out of her brains and um, you've got 20 kids from a rugby club at their first game like I don't know how people can complain about the any fixtures when we've been totally it's been MIA we've had nothing we've had the Six Nations we had the Autumn Nations Cup last year it's been so limited and now we're going to have four international games. I think it's brilliant. And I think that people have automatically gone back to the, oh, not South Africa or not, not Australia already. And it's, it is laughable. Yeah. Cause it's unusual because Welsh Twitter, uh, rugby Twitter are always quite positive and quite calm about everything, aren't they? Yeah. I was really surprised reading yeah. those comments. Really surprised. Well, I hate anyway this idea that people can't go and enjoy the rugby because they've got fucking daffodils at hats on or you can't go and enjoy the rugby if, if you're having a drink a stamp and all this. Yeah, or you yeah, you've got a, a bit of like I I'm fucking great. Like I think it's a fantastic atmosphere that you can have that, those different sides to be down there either as a group of friends or down there as a rugby watcher. Yeah, you get a couple of dickheads in here, but that's the same as if you go do anything, you're going to get a bell end or two. Like, that's just the way... We, I've watched the Wales game dressed as a fucking leak before now because... And not through choice. But, you know, it's just the way it is. Like, fucking enjoy the game. It's not... It shouldn't be taking away your enjoyment because someone's dressed as a fucking daffodil or got a dragon on their head. Or, was, like, all your, um, was all your dragons merch in the wash that day, is it? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so that's all I had left. <laughs> it was that or buy, buy something from Macro and I said, I fucking I love the leak. <laughs> So no, I think it's a it's four brilliant fixtures to come back to. I really, really hope we get crowds in there. I really, really hope I get to do at least one of them myself. I'm really, really looking forward Yourself? to it. Christ, am I not invited? Completely on my own. <laughs> nobody else in the stadium, no one just else. you. No one else, no loved ones, no kids, no family, <laughs> no friends, just me on my own next to the girls on the stag. On the, on the end. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> So yeah, I think it's, it's absolutely great. And for them to 
they call, obviously they were there were rumors going around of who the teams might be and who we might be playing. I couldn't think of four better fixtures. Yeah. Genuinely couldn't think of four better fixtures for us to play. And you know it's good because when Evans was talking about it on BBC Wales today. Can we just make sure we don't leave him anywhere near the pitch for the flag because that always goes badly. Somehow <laughs> <laughs> once against the old blacks. Or if we do, can we make sure the shirt fits? <laughs> well, probably not because it's fucking Macron. <laughs> <laughs> So, shall we move on with any more news from anyone? I think so. I went to Primark today. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It seems a bit like, you know, these teachers on Zoom now on TikTok, they're like, (laughs) can someone tell us that? (laughs) Ness? I just thought maybe you, you female or male or any listeners might be interested. That I went to Primark today and I went to New Look and I got loads of sales. And it was my first time in an actual shop since December. I, I, I'm proud of you. Thank you. No, but it is nice. Like we saw loads of, of photos today of Cardiff with all the tables out and everything. It is nice to see everything going back to some sort of normality. Well, we booked Mystery the... <laughs> I think we've, we've deviated from rugby about as far as we can go in this podcast. No, but I'm anything. glad you enjoyed pre-mark. So did you get Thank any you. bargains? Got loads of bargains. Um... So we leave that there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll move on. So we started doing this last week, or last podcast, not last week, we skipped a week. Um, and... I did say that, and I've said again today, it was an idea, and I thought I've got the perfect name for this, and then I realised that Squid had already done it. So it's going to be called Unproper Opinions, because that's the shittest um, pun I can come up with. So we're going to come up with people's unpopular rugby opinions, and then we'll talk about whether we agree or disagree. So I'm going to throw one out first, because then it becomes very Lions heavy, and I need to do them just in case it goes tits up right <laughs> so- <laughs> I put these out and I asked for some and they're still coming in as we're doing this and I think before we come on we had like a stupid amount so M's offered the wade through them so we can get some sort of semblance of how we're going to set these out and we'll do a couple every week mm-hmm. so the first one and I know you were looking forward to doing this one is from Harry uh, Richie McCaw is overrated and so is Mike Phillips yep. so he started off gentle as Harry always does. <laughs> I'm surprised there was nothing about the blues. So, yeah. Wall, I'll throw to you first because I know how much... Uh... Yeah. Fully, fully agree with him, to be honest. Um, Mike Phillips is and was a wonderful scrum half. Uh, Richie McCall was a wonderful seven. But in my opinion, there's been better players and they're not as big and as fantastic as everyone thinks they were. I thought Dwayne Peel was a better scrum half for Wales than what um, Mike Phillips was. I thought Dusatoire in his prime was better than McCaw. McCaw only really got the adulation that he did because he was a captain of a fantastic team that no one could beat and was always offside. Stoff, I'll, I'll finish off. I'll finish off on this one. Stoff, do you want to? Uh, yeah. Um, first of all, incorrect. That is an unpopular, incorrect opinion. Um, Richie McCaw, yeah, do you know what? 
I'm not even going to bother. Mike Phillips, you'd bring him into this and drag him under the bus. Absolutely not. I will be the paramedic in this situation. He's out from under this bus. He is not overrated. He's underrated. He is the number nine that we all wish we could be. Even the dog thinks it's a load of crap because I can just hear him fart in the kitchen there. (laughs) (laughs) Right, I'm going to... I would say for a long time, right, I was with you that I thought Phillips is a little bit overrated and I always wanted Peel to play for Wales. And then I think Phillips hit a point where he genuinely became the best nine in the world at one point. I think genuinely there was a period where there was nobody better than him. And it was when all the bollocks stopped about you can pick Mike Phillips because he's like another flanker. Because we didn't need another flanker because we already had fucking two. And that's all the flankers that you ever need. Right? And once all that bullshit stopped and we let him play as a scrum half and do scrum half things, he was fucking brilliant. And he was exceptionally good at being an annoying twat of a scrum half as well, which is always helpful. I love a scrum half who can wind people up and break people without doing anything. So I think Phillips is there. To say Richie McCaw is overrated, Harry's fucking wrong. Sorry, mm-hmm. Harry. That's fucking horrific. He completely changed what an open side... Well, no, he developed what an open side was because Michael Jones had started to change what an open side does and then Richie McCaw took it to the next level. I would say he's the best forward that's ever played the game. No questions for me. He is the best. And I say that as someone who fucking adores David Pocock and everything that he did in that year. But honest to God, Richie McCall was another level. I would say he was the first elite level professional rugby player that we had. He was the first one who went above and beyond what it meant to be. Wilkinson had the right mentality with it. He was perhaps the first one to play like a professional, but Richie McCall was the first one to go elite level professional player, take it as far as he possibly could. The best in the world. So we've got me and so off. M's M's drop it. She's decided she's not going to put an opinion for all this. Oh, sorry. (laughs) So we've got two on one. So that one is bullshit. It's not just an unpopular opinion. It's a wrong opinion. Oh, Harry is gone. So, with the Lions coming up, and next week I lift the barrier fully wall and we'll have a Lion special because it's just before the team's meant to be announced. And so we'll do a little bit of a talk and we'll do a, we'll, we'll look at some uh, Lions things and some players and some teams and I know you'll, you'll be fucking delighted. And you'll, uh, you'll be worse than me when D- Damien Diolende comes on. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then I'm Brendan's bring... at that next week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break your heart with the next one, saying the Lions tour won't happen and it's medically impossible. And that's from Johnny Elstonoz. Discuss. <laughs> um, it's a, it is a very, very unpopular opinion, considering the squad gets announced in about 10 days. Um, however, he has a point. Because is it actually going to go ahead? Like, is it going to be medically viable that they can go away for six, eight weeks or whatever it's going to be, play the eight games and all come back and then all have to isolate for 14 days when they get back and nobody catch something, nobody have any kind of symptoms 
nobody be sent home for it. You have an injury to a player that has to go out there. Did they have to be self-isolated for 14 days here before they go, just in case? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see how it can happen. However, the fact that they we have moved on from where we were a few months ago, where there was going to be chat of it potentially being in the UK and so on, and that we're actually we've now got a coaching squad, and we've got the, the actual team being announced in ten days, a more sort of positive in the sense of that it is going to go ahead, but he Johnny Norris does have a point. So. Um, I'm a bit 50-50 on this. I, medically, I mean, I know that the variant in South Africa is still rife. Um, and m- the only way I presume you could get around the issue of injuries and self-isolating is just create one massive bubble and them all travel together and you have reserves and you have reserves traveling with you in the bubble. And that's the way that you get around it. So you're taking, how, how many people are in the um, squad normally? Is it? He said he's going to take 36, isn't he? He said he's going to take 36. Now this, this would be, sorry, Softer, but this would be my point that I was the same with England when they announced their shadow squad. But I don't understand why you'd go, well, there's COVID restrictions, so we're going to have a smaller squad. Mm-hmm. That makes less sense. Yeah. Truly, there's COVID restrictions, so we're going to take a bigger squad, and then we can have training groups working better together. And if a player drops out because of COVID or because of injury, we don't have to think, where's the next player going to come to and bring it from outside the bubble in? Yeah. Well, I can't understand the mentality of, because there's COVID, our squad's going to be smaller. The other option you've got is the other option you've got is Gatlin um, chooses a thirty-six man squad of people that nobody likes, so, so just send them to South Africa because if they get COVID, no one really going to care. So Saracens then, yeah, Saracens, yeah, <laughs> all of Saracens go. Yeah. Saracens <laughs> and Exeter. I was just going to say, just a mix of Exeter won't, won't go out there because obviously they'll be worried that Bill Gates is putting something in their vaccinations. You know, so <laughs> uh, I don't know if Exeter players will be flying. Have they got 5G in South Africa? Well, we, what's the rollout looking globally? Yeah, yes, the players will probably be flying, but it probably won't be on a plane. It'll be for some other... <laughs> the tinfoil hats will never go through customs. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> all the alarms will be... So, yeah, I'm the same. I think we're all the same. Like, I don't know. Like, realistically, medically, I don't know enough about this to know whether it's viable or not. I would say, don't be put off by the fact they're going to announce the squad because they were actual Scotsmen in bars in Cardiff in March. 12 hours before kick-off, 24 hours before kick-off. So I would say, don't, don't let that sway you. Anything can happen yet. Um, can I just bring one up? Because it might be on your list, but I've been sent it by a friend of the pod, uh, Kate Jadajav. Um, Tom um, Curry, one of the most overrated players in World Rugby. Yeah. Yeah, and um, my wanker this week isn't Tom Curry, but we'll come to it, it ties in with this. So, yeah, he's a brilliant player. He's an international quality player. I'm not sure he's the best flanker in England. Is he I, the I, best I, flanker that's a Curry? <laughs> <laughs> because Tim Curry is fucking brilliant. <laughs> 
in between playing Pennywise and um, well, well I, I was having this conversation with Kate earlier. For me, Tom Curry is a six. Ben Curry, when they both broke through, Ben was the seven. Yeah. So yes, Tom is obviously better than his brother because otherwise they'd both be playing for England. But Tom's not. A seven. Well, that's not always the case, is it? Because England have continued to pick Ben Youngs for the past fucking four years, and he's, yeah. he's only had about three good games. And not pick Sam Simmons. I don't stop me on Sam Simmons. That's one of my wonkers as well. So, yeah, I would say I agree completely with Kay that Tom Curry is overrated. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. Um, back fully to the Lions. I'll go with this one first. So the real Lions tour is the build-up and the announcement on team selections. And I'm more interested in Wales' summer results against Uruguay and Canada, and that's from Ed Jenkins. Come on, Wall, I'm going to you first. Don't pull faces, nothing buff. Um, I get his point. Um, we need to build on what we just had in the Six Nations, especially as a lot of the public were uh, hashtag Pivac out after the autumn. Um, so we need to obviously build on what we say a lot of the public as well. You mean you, yeah? Yes, myself, yeah. I was yeah. definitely Pivac out. I just want to clarify, just yeah. and probably still sort of Pivac. Oh, maybe just leave the O in it a little bit. I'm not necessarily definitely in. Still. Are you joking? You do realize we were uh, seconds away from I know completing I know. a grand slam. I know, with I know, I know. I've seen among the tries. I know. Um, however, the Lions is once every four years. Last year, if you'd said this Lions tour had a chance of going ahead, everyone would have laughed at you because of everything going on in the world. So I think if it can go ahead and it can, I can go ahead safely, that's the bigger thing this year because it brings the world game together, I suppose, and eyes from from everywhere onto that onto that six eight weeks in, in South Africa, and not just two games for Wales and the autumn, however important they are. Right, that's the syrupy bullshit. Then, so what do you reckon? Um, I just think, as you said, it's one in every four years. Would never think that this would be happening. If you were at Christmas, you'd be like, Lions this summer, South Africa, absolute joke. Um, I I treat it as such um, an event because there's so much with it. You have the lead up, you've got um, the training, the the pre-tour games, um, you've got the actual games uh, and every single selection for every single game is so telling and you it really does sort of show how capable all of these players are and it gives them a massive massive stage to show how good they are and to prove their skills and I I, I then you've got the aftermath of it you've got the for me like a massive personal highlight of every Lions game is when they have the um they release the behind the scenes um I've got every single DVD for those they are absolutely brilliant you just see how like amazing the tour was and the atmosphere 
there you see the fans in the hotel they're having breakfast next to George North like it's such a massive event and I feel like it's sort of like slagging off the Olympics like why are you having European championships when, when there's an Olympics like um I I'm fully on board with like being number one for the Welsh results but also the Lions is something spectacular that you can't really just oh it's only the lead up and the the naming of the squad it's a lot more than that well, that's what I was going to ask. Was this year who's going to be morale booster? Who's in that team purely for the crack? It's hard, isn't it? Like Andy Powell went on to he was a brilliant eight. Don't get me wrong, right? He was underrated today because he was a fucking head case. But he went for his personality. Like Askell on the last tour went out there halfway through was as a as a thing. And I know people don't like him, and people will say about him, but he did boost morale. And I'm talking to someone who was in camp and. Said like that's that's what Askell does. That's what he gives you when you fucking step on your own in hotel somewhere. He's a, so yeah, it's good. Ooh, is there anyone this year? I don't know. I remember Shane Williams went out as well, didn't he? Um, I don't think he's going to boost morale. I've heard him doing commentary and fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, you've got like you know, Joe Marler is is your funny man. I think Marler would. Win a lot of people over. Alan Wynn probably wouldn't be one of them this time round. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a character, but I think there's there's going to be there's a few players I think that have it as part of their sort of their makeup. So somebody like Stuart Hogg for me looks as though like off the pitch he likes to laugh as banter. Probably someone like Finn Russell as well. Um, I was going to say, if you think Finn Russell will get his, his juggling tricks out again and start <laughs> see seeing what he can chuck about? Well, it depends on how many beers he's allowed to have in it. So, um, um, how, how many beers, beers he's allowed to have? Well that's, well, that's the trouble, isn't it? He's only allowed two beers. We can't juggle cans because yeah. <laughs> there's no fun in juggling two. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just going to be more a case of not necessarily having an individual to be in charge of it, but picking sort of little traits of so because I think off the pitch somebody like Ken's not necessarily serious all the time is he likes to see obviously have a lot I wouldn't have him play. down as a as a full on comedy guy though. No but I think I think he's like, gonna be a great crack on tour Ken Owens. But I don't th- I don't think <laughs> I don't think there's many apparently off the pitch Ali prices if he was to get picked he's apparently like the social butterfly I suppose with Scotland so that that could be an option. Um but it depends, obviously, who he picks. If he picks yeah. like the media one and two and picks fucking Danny Kerr as his first choice number nine, then Danny Kerr's there just for lols, isn't he? So I don't want to just go I, so far it feels like we've just gone every Scotsman. But I reckon the Mish would probably be a crack in uh, he, I mean you can't have that acre and not have a sense of humour. <laughs> so he's gotta be he's gotta be there, isn't he? You you'd like to hope so, but yeah, I, I again I just think I think there might be there needs to be downtime in the tour, and that's going to be important with it being bubbled and so on. But on the flip side, how much time are they going to be able to spend as a group? In the sense of, like, you look at England, a lot of the bubble was individualised in your own hotel room sort of thing. And I know, I know that's going to be hard on a tour, but you'd like you you'd want to hope there was also an aspect of it because the more that they do go sort of out and about as groups will gather together, there'll probably be more chance it could be of if someone has got symptoms of it spreading. So I that think might be the issue. For, 
a successful way of completing something maybe done say look at England in the Six Nations this year. No, I know, but <laughs> um, but in in the sense of like how they had to, they were all bubbled up. I think an element of that will have to come into play with the. That's like sort of Love Island. That sounds like one of the games they play all bubbled up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I um, I'm going to go against the grain as I often do. I think Ed's absolutely right. I think the most exciting moments for me in the Lions has always been who's starting rather than whether we actually win or not. I've never been devastated at us losing a Lions draw. I was I was quite happy when we beat Australia and it was nice to get the draw, but I, I can't say I was overly ecstatic either. The best moments for me on the Lions tour, other than um, George North carrying a known homophobe around like he was a fucking rucksack, <laughs> was... Foxy starting ahead of Brian O'Driscoll and you know, so, and then that's what made the third test for me wasn't so much beating Australia, it was that Gatlin was vindicated in the choices that he made so <laughs> I'm 100% with Ed on this I think I much prefer the announcement seeing who's in, that squad announcement that first team announcement I think I much prefer that to watching the actual games because when it comes to the games I don't really care, plus it's because I'm a big supporter of independence but I'm really fucked about the, the Lions <laughs> I just like to see who's, who's more important in Gatlin's eyes. I can see this lion special being fucking a hoop next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do the lion's test, and yeah, I'm not bothered, honest. Uh, right. And then the final one that's really going to grip your shit is from a friend of the podcast, friend of ours, uh, Rory. He says, I don't really like the Lions, and if it wasn't for the finances, I'd be fine with dropping it. So, <laughs> 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 but that was. Um, going back to what, how we were talking about the uh, line of duty earlier. Um, no well, comment. I was going to say, going back to what we were talking about bringing the world together, like no. it was Rocky Three or Four, or whatever no. that was. And if you can change, and I can change. I plead, I plead the fifth. No comment. Oh, sorry, then. No comment. <laughs> No, everyone's entitled to their opinion. He's wrong, but he's entitled to his opinion. So I'm completely. I think if we drop the Lions, someone else suggested our final way was um, that we have a, a North v South game, which I think is similar to what um, Josh and Lee and Blood and Mud had suggested as well, where they have this. I love Yeah, I just love a North v South game. I don't know if these was 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 hemispheres or whether these was leagues or what they were, or whether it was just pick two teams. A Northern Hemisphere versus Southern Hemisphere. It sounds like a great idea. I'll be all yeah. over. As long as Will Jordan's play it for that. Right. <laughs> I think that would be great. So I, if you went to me, we can either have a Lions tour or we can have three tests of the Northern Hemisphere against the Southern Hemisphere. There'd be no more Lions. But isn't that just the Lions? Well, no, because then no, you need to play in, you're playing Britain against the All Blacks or against Australia or against South Africa. Imagine if it was South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, Fiji and everything, and then Britain and France and if you want to chuck a Georgian and a Russian and an Italian in there. Fucking great, I'm all over that. I think that's a great idea. No. Nah. No. No. Two one. Holding up the state, you are. This is why Wales can't go independent because people like that. Can I just have one last unpopular opinion? Because I'm being absolutely rinsed for my opinion on this on Twitter as we speak, and I'm getting messages. It's not about playing up with on pizzas again. No, it's it? not. It's it's not the correct it's the correct way of putting jam and cream on a scone. Well, for a start, let's talk about how you say in that fucking word. Scone, innit? Yeah, scone. 
Who's having scones? Are you scone or scone? I'm scone. 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 You're scone. It's tough, posh, oh, man. I've got to remember that. Fucking scone. The joke is work. What's the fastest cake in the world? It's scone. Don't fucking work. <laughs> scone. <laughs> it's uh, uh, definitely. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I want to. I just want to give you a warning before you step in here, right? This is like we are stepping on hundreds of years of Cornwall on fucking Devon, yeah. And I'm not going to enter this. There's enough friction here as it is. <laughs> I'm not causing a rift between those two things. So you put on your drama, your cream fucking first. I don't care if you want to commit, then you commit. But I, 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 I'm easy either way. I prefer cheese scum, just put Moving on. We'll do a we'll wrap up with winners and wankers. Right. Wankers first. Come on then, let's have your wankers. I'm gonna say anybody that has basically turned around and said anything negative in the last week about the women's six nations, the fact that it's not that they don't wanna watch it, that they don't care about it. It's here, we should support it. It's actually quite a good spectacle. Um, probably a lot more in, uh, was enjoy as enjoyable as the men's six nations um, for me. Um, and those people who think that are just fucking idiots. Okay. So if I can see that you were panicking, you're looking around. Have you picked a wanker yet? <laughs> uh, yeah, I picked a wanker. Um, it's um, Carmichael, um, line of duty, obviously. <laughs> um, she's a fucking bitch. <laughs> and I hate her, and she can go into the fucking bin and stay there. The actress who plays her was on this morning today, and she was lovely. I think she must. I think she must have got a bit of hate or something last night because she seemed really nervous and she was really giggly, and she, she just seemed so lovely. She generally does quite comedy roles as well. She yeah. was in Motherland mm. and stuff, and she she does a lot of comedy roles. But I should have seen that coming, shouldn't I? <laughs> What more you wanker? My wanker was, I don't know if you've mentioned it since the, the last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, from I don't know if you mentioned it from the other week. I know it's a different sport, but just the Alex Scott haters. Like we were talking about the women, um, the women's rugby earlier. Um, like her, she obviously she knows her stuff completely and everything, but she constantly has to prove to herself. She can't just, there's so many commentators and pundits who were crap at their game and were uh, have very average knowledge and she has exceptional knowledge but just constantly gets hated on and that's within football and other sports. Oh yeah, I think the one that, that came up was on the back of it being a non-stop football focus and yeah. someone came up with the argument of, well, what does she know about the game because she hasn't played in the men's game at any level and then like she's replacing fucking Dan Walker. <laughs> Who did he play for? Can I just just add to this because I, I listened to uh, Social Distance podcast last night and they talked about this exact point. And did oh, you? Sorry. I didn't know anything. I didn't know this until I listened to it last night that Alex Scott has actually got a degree in sports journalism as well. Yeah. So, yeah. so like all I, these people that are saying that slagging her off, look at her qualifications in regards to being a player, but then look at her qualifications as being an actual like somebody who's been to uni, yeah. got all the degrees she needs to, to, that she needs to do, and is actually very good at what she does. Didn't she complete the uni at a World Cup? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she did a dissertation the day before the England group game against somebody in 2015. She, she got a dissertation just before game to a semi-final of the yeah. World Cup. 
What's, what's her fucking credentials? <laughs> Reminds me of, do you remember when I slagged off Only Connect, the TV programme, and then I got a load of hate from it, and everyone was call, calling me uneducated as I was currently doing my second degree at the top third <laughs> yeah. university to in be a, England. To be a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my wankers for this week are people who try to seem interesting by picking nonsense fucking bobbins players for their Lions teams. Sam Simmons isn't the best option. Let's stop pretending that he is. Nor is Danny Kay. No one fucking cares for your opinion. No one thinks you're more interesting because you've decided Danny Kay instead of anyone else. Definitely not Paddy fucking Jackson. Right? No one wants these players anywhere near a Lions shirt. And you're not more interested. No one... Like, the bullshit that people have come up with with the Lions selections. Did you see the one today where, they, where somebody's convinced that Hadley Parks has gone on the Lions tour? Well, let's not rule it out. He's, he's eligible for... The only reason he's not playing for Wales is because he's not eligible. He's eligible for the Lions. Who knows what could happen? <laughs> but no, like, people... So we, like, Danny Kay is clearly not the best option. The, the poll that went out from whatever fucking account it was last week, where they go, Danny Kay's already been selected, so he's yeah. going to be second choice. And then give you three nines. I'll give you four nines. And you go, well, fucking three of them wouldn't be an option either. <sighs> It's doing my fucking tits in. I can't wait for the lines to be done. <laughs> oh, fucking I'll keep it light. So that's my wankers for this week. People picking stupid like My winners for this week, I'll dive straight in so I can turn it around. Um, I'm going to give it to Munster because they've been so close to beating Leinster. I know it's the Rainbow Cup and you know, only them and Benetton and the Dragons really give a shit now. But to finally do it and get the fucking monkey off their back which they deserve to do, and see Damien Dialende's smiley happy face after it. <laughs> Munster are my winners for this year. And Zeebo's coming back as well. So they've got Zeebs coming back into a team that's just beat Leinster. Oh, it's good times at Munster. So they're my winners for this week. Well, let's have your winners. Uh, the comms team for the England-France game. Um, it was a great blend. Sarah Orchard, um, Mohant, and Uber Moni were fantastic. Um, actually quite refreshing as well that they were the the way that they were talking about the game, the opinions they were giving, um, and to be honest, probably as a team, should do a lot more games themselves together because uh, it was quite refreshing. Well, Sarah Orchard's another one of those ones that uh, has taken abuse in the past for having a woman's voice and no other reason because what she says is really intelligent. She knows the game inside and out. So, yeah, it's great to see the BBC sticking with her, putting her on more thing because she's fantastic. Absolutely, that Monia seems to be getting better. I think mm. a few years ago, you go Monia. If you said he was there, I would have gone. Yeah, yeah. He's been brilliant. Like he keeps getting better and better. So yeah, it's a good, uh, good mix. So your winners for this week. Uh, my winner is um, obviously Mark Williams. Um, <laughs> he thrashed John Higgins on the weekend, and it was um, very, very, very enjoyable watching. And um, he's, I, can't, I don't know who he's facing tomorrow. Oh. Um, I know, fake fan. Um, actually, I don't think it's finished yet, so not that much of a fake fan. Um, but Mark Williams, outstanding performance. Um, just wish that I was there tomorrow. Um, can't stand John Higgins. Um, and yeah, winner. And that's us done. So thank you for joining me. Thanks, Em. Thank you, Soph. And... Uh, Thank you all for your always, always unpopular opinions.
Thanks for being here. Thanks everyone for listening. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.